I want to say welcome to all those listening to our podcast or watching on Facebook Live today. Welcome to The Grove. And uh, for all you in the theater, thanks for coming. We love what's happening at The Grove. It's so so much fun. The last two years has been a blast. And uh, Christmas, I love Christmas season. It's a great time to be able to, to fo- refocus on really important things. Uh, but at the same time, it's crazy how Christmas can push out important things, right? We get focused on the wrong things. I'm excited about this this series that we're in, Joy. Uh, this is week three. And let me just tell you, um, I decided to talk about joy. And you know the number one thing that's been tested the last three weeks? Guess it. Come on, guess it. Joy, right? So every every single Sunday morning, especially Sunday mornings, uh, we've had just challenge after challenge uh, with technology, with different things that happening. Uh, couldn't find a cable one week, and, and we pushed the whole schedule up to like the last minute getting ready. We seem really calm up here when you guys show up, but sometimes we're like freaking out, like, are we going to pull this off? And it always happens. We have a great team. But the last three weeks have been uncommon when it comes to setting up and just difficulties. And uh, this morning is no exception. It was my lock, the lock was frozen in the trailer. I couldn't open up the lock and get things out. And we were really late. And it was just it's crazy. But in the middle of it, I think it's important. I, I think sometimes I'm just an object lesson for you guys. And I, I'm trying to pass the test uh, because guys want to do something. In fact, whenever I talk about a subject, subject, a lot of times it's not so much, it's, it's like a group therapy. I'm just kind of talking about my issues and my stuff uh, because I have the same things that, that sometimes you face and you struggle with. I'm not a perfect person, and uh, joy is one of those things that I've, I've actually been surprised by, that it is so, so key and so central to the Christian message. And so uh, it's, 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 it's important. Week one, we said that joy is a gift. We talked about joy being a gift, and that when the angel announced the birth of Jesus, he says, I've come to bring you good news of great joy. It's a gift. And then he, the first gift we saw was God sending his son to bring, bring us something. That gift was joy, uh, was tied to that. And we said this the first week, that whenever um, joy shows up, fear has to, be, has to leave. Like joy comes in the front door, fear goes out the back door. And we talked about that first week, how when, whenever um, fear is present or worry or anxiety, joy is pushed out. But when joy shows up, fear and all that other stuff gets pushed out. If you missed it, go listen, catch up. Last week, we talked about the second part of this. Joy is a gift. Second part was joy is a choice. Uh, that God gives us the gift of joy, but it's also a choice that we make on a daily basis. Uh, every decision we make will produce something. And we said this. We, we asked the question. We said, what seeds are you sowing today that will be full of joy tomorrow? Because today you're sowing seeds that will turn into something, either weeds or some kind of good fruit. So what kind of seeds are you sowing? We challenge you. Make sure you sow good seeds that are going to produce good fruit because joy is a choice. And the choices you made last year are producing something in your life this year. Uh, next year, the choices you make will produce something more in the future. We said that the path to joy is through obedience. If you want to know how to get on the path to joy in your life, it's through obeying God, just trusting and obeying him with your life. When you do, you will find joy. When you don't, we find a whole bunch of stories in the Bible of disobedience when people did their own thing. And what was the one thing that was pushed out? Joy. Joy is pushed out. In fact, David said, restore to me the joy of my salvation when he sinned. Uh, why? Because joy was pushed out because of his choices that he made. Uh, one of the things we said is we confuse joy with happiness. And last week we said we can cho- confuse joy with pleasure. Those are two things that we confuse joy with sometimes. Uh, joy a lot of times has pleasure in it. And joy a lot of times has happiness in it. But happiness and pleasure don't always have joy in it. It's possible to have happiness and pleasure without joy. And we want to focus on something that's bigger than us. So we said this. We said happiness is external, but joy is internal. Joy is something deep inside that doesn't go away quickly. It stays. It lingers. It's there. Uh, We said that happiness is based on circumstance, 
but joy is based on Christ. And this is, tonight's lesson is going to really talk about this a lot. Circumstance, the word comes from the idea that it's a circle you're standing in. Whenever you face something in life, that circumstance is actually the circle you're standing in. Whatever the challenges you're facing, it, it's something you've chose either to dwell in and stay in, or you just find yourself in. And we're going to talk about what, what happens when you find yourself in a situation you don't like and, and it's hard. We said that happiness happens by chance, but joy happens by choice. Happiness happens when something happens and it shows up. It's, it's by happenstance. But joy, it's a choice that we make on a daily, daily, um, uh, a daily decision that we make to have joy in our lives. And so today I want to talk about the, the third week. I want to talk about this, joy no matter what. Because there's a lingering question that if you haven't asked it yet, one of these days you will. Well, what about joy when there's suffering? And what about joy when there's hardship? And what about joy when there's difficulties? And what about joy when my kids don't listen to me or my boss yells at me or the guy in front of, behind me is honking at me like a crazy person, right? What, when, what about joy in all of those things? And we want to address that today. We want to talk about that. Joy no matter what. But that God has, the, the, we have the ability to choose joy even in the middle of the darkest challenging times. What I, what I found is a lot of times, the more the suffering, a lot of times when somebody has gone through the, the worst of things, they can actually have more joy than most people. Um, and we're going to talk about why. Where does that come from? How can somebody that goes through a lot of suffering be able to still have joy in the middle of that? And, and it's by what we focus on, which we're going to talk about. So I want to do this series on joy because it's central to the Christian faith. Um, when we were getting ready to start the Grove, uh, we, we went to these, 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 um, all these trainings to teach us, you know, how to, how, what to prepare for when, when to start in a church. You know, the things that, the challenges that come with that. And uh, we're so grateful for the ARC and for the different uh, um, networks that we're a part of to help us start a church that's very healthy. And in two years, we've seen a lot of growth and a lot of things that God is doing. It, it's, it's awesome. But here's the thing, what, what you don't know. Before we started the church, they told us all these things that would scare us. And at first, it was like, why are they telling all this stuff? It's kind of like a, you know, a letdown. Um, and, but, but then I realized, well, if this is common to, to new startups and, and, and when things like this happen, when it does happen, I'm actually going to be a little prepared for this. I'm not going to freak out. I can only imagine that if, if we started the Grove, and, and for us as a church, about 60% of our launch team actually did go away within the first year. Um, maybe a little less than that, but it was close. And, and I didn't freak out over that uh, because they prepared me for it. When you're prepared for the potentials, you actually can go in with it with more tools, being ready uh, uh, whatever comes your way. In fact, Jesus told us this, uh, and, and he told his disciples, and it applies to us, John 16:33. he says this. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So Jesus told the disciples, you are going to have trouble. All right, so do me a favor. Everybody say, would you say, I'm going to have trouble? You're going to have trouble. You're going to have a bad day. It's going to happen. It, 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 wow, geez, Eric, you should be more positive. Okay, I am positive. You are going to have a bad day. All right? Jesus said it. You're going to have trouble. But why is he telling him this? If you read the whole chapter of John 16, Jesus is preparing the disciples for his death. All right, so he says, the world's going to celebrate and you're going to be crying and mourning. But he says, but hang in there. Don't give up. Don't get discouraged. Because if you hang in there, your, your sorrow is going to turn into joy. Like there's going to be something amazing. And, he, and, and so he's preparing them for what's going to come. He's, he's kind of saying, hey, here's some potential things that are going to be ahead. But don't worry. When they happen, you don't have to give up. You don't have to get discouraged. You don't have to quit because I have something good in the middle of it. Just take heart because I've overcome the world. In fact, in this, in this chapter, he compares it to a woman giving birth to a child. He says, a woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come, 
But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy, because of her joy that a child is born into the world. You know, Naomi's really close to having a baby. Um, Italia's not here today, but she's really close. We have some new babies that are on their way. Um, you know, it happens. When joy shows up, even pain is pushed out of the way. That's what happens. It's amazing how that happens. My wife and the four babies, as I've watched it, it's an incredible process. But as soon as the baby comes, it's kind of like you totally forget about it. Well, I don't forget about it. I still remember it. But I think she forgot about it all. And does that pain leaves because now joy is present. That was the first week. When joy shows up, all this other stuff gets pushed out of the way. And he's, he's preparing them and saying there's going to be challenges. But why is he telling us this? So that when they happen, we don't have to freak out. When you have a bad day, it is not the end of the world. It's just a bad day. You can move through it. When you face troubles, when you face difficulties or challenges, you can be able to push through it because it's not the end of the world. There's, there's something on the other side if you'll hang in there. And he says, take heart. Like, be encouraged. Like, don't, don't, like, be made strong again. Don't get weak. Don't, don't forget, I have overcome the world. Even in the middle of that. So we said this, that happiness is recognizing good in things, but joy is recognizing God. In things, if you want to have joy, you have to begin to to, refo- to learn how to focus on the right things. Uh, when, I, when I when I mean by joy is recognizing God in things, Paul tells us in Romans eight twenty eight. He says that, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. So we know that God works all of these things who are called according to His purpose. So on one side of this verse, it's going to be very helpful to us because we realize no matter what goes on, God can turn any situation around for good. That's one extreme, the positive extreme of this verse. The negative extreme of this verse that some people take is even when evil's present, some people will think, well, see, God allowed it. And that, that's not true. That's, that's a negative, that's, that's an extreme that this is not what that's talking about. Evil is evil, and we shouldn't celebrate evil. We shouldn't embrace evil. Evil is evil. We should try to stop evil whenever we can. But even when evil does happen, God can take that and turn it into something beautiful and good. He, didn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't want that. It wasn't his plan. The enemy wants evil in your life. He wants to destroy but even that, God can take around. But he, what, what Paul is saying is if we focus on the right thing, we'll be able to see that God wants to do something even in the most challenging circumstances and situations. So for, for this year, as we go through this series of joy, I would even say for 2017, this, maybe this can be your statement, is don't let things you can't control control you. In 2017, don't let things that you can't control control you. Circumstance, remember the circle you find yourself in? When you try to control things you can't, you get stuck in a circle because you can't control those things. And you'll get stuck there if you, don't, if you don't learn to only focus on things you can control and trust God for the rest. So there's another way. You don't have to live that way. There's a better way. Uh, in fact, the Bible says that a mark of maturity is how we handle difficulties. If you want to know how, you're, how you are, if you're maturing in Christ and God and your relationship, just look at how you handle difficulties. I'll give you an example. My daughter, she's two, all right? And in her life, some of the difficulties she faces is when dad walks out of the room or we don't give her a candy or we don't allow her to play with the, my phone, right? And I take the phone away like, all right, I need the phone. I need to make a phone call. And she cries. Well, she's going to cry and freak out when she's attended that difficulty because she's immature, right? Now, my kids, when that happens, we're like, all right, guys, you need to grow up a little bit. That's not that big of a deal. You need to model for your sister what you're doing. Well, a mark of maturity is how we handle difficulties, she, she, we're trying to teach our kids that, you know, it's okay. You're going to face some difficult things. You can't always have what you want to have. You're going to face things that you have to face, but it's going to do something in you. If you will embrace it, if you'll learn uh, uh, to, to, to pay attention to it. So how you handle difficulties is actually an indication of your maturity, your, your level of maturity. James says it like this. James is the brother of Jesus. I think one of the strongest 
arguments for why the Bible is, is, is accurate. All right, James, the brother of Jesus, he grew up with Jesus. He didn't believe Jesus was God until after the resurrection. At death and resurrection, he's like, oh, he really was the son of God. I think I'm on his team. And so James went from being a skeptic and unbeliever to saying, I'm not only going to follow Jesus, but I'm going to give my life for that man because he gave his life for me. It's amazing. Anyways, James says this in James 1. He says, consider it pure joy. Don't, don't miss that. Consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. That doesn't sound like you should have pure joy in, in trials of many kinds, right? So you're going through difficulties. Consider it pure joy, guys. It's like, okay, that doesn't make sense. But he's trying to teach us something here. He said, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So when you face trials of many kinds, what is it doing? It's testing your what? What is it testing? Your faith, what you believe in, your, your belief system, what, 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 you've, what you've made a commitment to follow God. So when you go through something difficult, it's a test of your faith. How do you grow faith? Like, like any muscle, it has to be exercised, it has to be used, right? And so the way God helps us to grow our faith is gives us challenges so we can mature and grow. And if we're, if, if we're focused on the wrong thing, we will think that God giving us a challenge is his way of saying he doesn't love us. Where in fact, it's his way of saying, you know what, I believe in you, I think you have a little more to give this world. I'm going to give you this, this challenge so you can overcome it, become stronger, and help more people. But we think, man, God gave me this, this challenge and this struggle. He must not love me. And the enemy will use that against us and say, see, if God really loved you, he won't let you walk through that. And the whole time, God will say, no, I'm letting you walk through that because I love you, because I believe in you. It's like a coach saying, you have more in you. Come on, give, give another push. You know, run a little, one more lap. Give another push-up. Do another pull-up. Why? Because they see more potential in us than sometimes we see. That's God's, God's way of helping us. The Bible says it, and James says it. He says, God won't give us more than we can bear. It's like whenever you feel like, I don't know if I can hold the, the weight of all the things that I'm carrying, God is saying, I believe in you can, otherwise I wouldn't have given it to you. He, he gives us to be able to learn that we can overcome, that we can push, that we can mature, we can grow. So he's saying, consider pure joy when you face challenges, because the testing of your faith will produce perseverance. And that's important. In 2017, one of the things that when we start this new year is coming, a lot of people say, I want to do all these changes, and they start off the year with a bang, and then you know, a few months in, we kind of forget about our, our goals and all the things we want to improve, and by half a half year, we kind of forgotten about that. And, uh, and, and, and perseverance is saying, I'm going to push through no matter what. I'm going to make a choice to keep going. Well, when your faith is tested and you pass, it produces perseverance. And then he says, let your perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. God is saying, I want you to have, I want you to have everything even when you have nothing. I saw a statement this week. It says, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. When you have God and you have nothing else, you still have everything. We're going to talk about Paul in a second and what, what, why he can, what, what he says about that. Um, but in Romans, he tells us, he says that uh, in our suffering, that we should, we should not give up, but we should push through because in our suffering, suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint. Like hope means we've made it through something really difficult, and that means we can make it through again. Hope means we made it through something difficult, and we can tell others, hey, I've been there. You can get through that. I made it through it. You can get through it. And then all of a sudden, we give somebody hope, and they think, oh, if you can do that, I, I think I can do that too. And that's, that's, that's what God is trying to do in our lives when we go through things. He's saying, I want to develop something in you. So here's the thing with joy. Joy in difficulties and joy in challenges, 
It's all about perspective. If you want to have joy, even in the middle of the hardest times, it's all about perspective. You might say, well, that's easy for you, Eric. You know, your life is perfect, everything going for you. It's not hard to be able to say that statement. Okay, so even, if that, even though that's not true, let me tell you about somebody who did say it, Paul. All right? So Paul, before he starts ministry, before he go, go, becomes a missionary, God says you're going to suffer a lot. Remember, God's always telling us the potentials so that when we go through it, we're not going to freak out. Paul, you're going to suffer for me a lot, but stick in there because you're going to produce a lot of good. So Paul, I'm calling you to, to do good in this world. Don't give up even when it gets difficult. And Paul, he's, he, in one of his letters, he tells them, man, I've been shipwrecked. I've been beaten. I know what it is to have. I won't know what it is not, not to have. Uh, three times they whipped me with 39 uh, lashes. You know, 40 minus 1 is what they call it. They, they would, to the point of death. I've been stoned multiple times, Paul says, to the point of death. Been, been left for dead. He goes to all this stuff, and then he's locked up in prison multiple times, over and over. And in the middle of it, he doesn't, he, he doesn't do the thing that we do so much so often, is we ask why. If you want to have joy in difficult times, you have to have the right perspective, and you have to stop asking why. When you ask why, you can stay and you could die in your whys. All right? There's a, there's a part we should learn from those, but there's another part we don't get stuck in it. As long as you keep saying why, 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 you're in your circumstance and you never leave it. And you stay there for the rest of your life and you can miss opportunity. Don't stay there. It, you'll have to get over that distraction of, of asking why all the time and, and be able to push forward. Um, you know, I heard, I heard a story about um, a, a king in, in Africa. And, and this king, he, he, was, uh, he had a good friend. They would go hunting every year. And, and, and as they were out hunting, you know, the old guns with the, with the gunpowder, they would set them up. And as the king is out hunting uh, one year, and um, he, his friend would always say this, this line. Uh, um, he would say, this is good. Like everything, he's a very positive man, his friend. And he said, this is good. All right. And every time something would happen, he's like, this is good. And so the king's out and they're hunting. And as he's, as he's getting ready to shoot an animal, he pulls the trigger and the gun misfires and it, it blows off his thumb. Um, and his thumb is, is gone. He's looking at his thumb, you know, laying down. And his friend says, this is good. And the king says, no, this is not good. I just lost my thumb, jerk. And, and he puts his friend in prison, all right? So the king puts his friend, friend, friend in prison. He's upset with his friend. What kind of friend is that? So this is good. And so the king, you know, after, after the friend's in there for about a year, the king goes hunting again. And while he's hunting, he gets captured by cannibals. And while the cannibals are preparing to eat him, they notice something. They notice he doesn't have a thumb. And they're very superstitious, and they said, well, we can't eat him. He's not complete, so that wouldn't be good to eat him. So they let the king go. So the king is free from being eaten by cannibals. He, he feels guilt and remorse because his friend's in prison. And he goes to his friend and says, man, I, I got to tell you what happened. I, I, I was hunting. I got captured by cannibals. And because I lost a thumb, I was, I was, I was, I was, um, I was freed. And I feel bad now. I, I, I'm going to let you out of prison. He said, this is good. And he says, why is this good? You, I've locked you up for a whole year in prison. Why is this good? He says, because... If, if, if I wasn't in prison, I would have been eaten. I would have been dinner. He said, this is good, you know. You can find good in every, everything you, you can look for. In any, any circumstance, any, any difficulty, you can find something good in, I promise, if you have the right perspective. Paul has this perspective. In, in Philippians 1.12, he says this, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Like he's saying, God's called me to live a life that's going to help others. And all the difficulties I've gone through is actually pushing the gospel forward. It's actually making a big, um, a bit, making more progress. Paul, Paul was saying this. Instead of asking why all the time, why don't you start asking what? what God, God, what do you want me to get out of this? See, we're very good at saying, God, get me out of this situation. Like, I don't like this circumstance. I don't like the circle I'm in. Get me out of this. The better question is, 
God, what do you want me to get out of this? See, get me out of this. It's a, it's a rescue mentality. You have to save me all the time. And God wants to help you. But a lot of times the answer is, Eric, would you just take a step over that line all right, and stop doing that? Because a lot of times the circumstances we find ourselves in, I'm not going to say all the time, but a lot of times it's, it's poor management. We haven't managed something well in our lives. We find ourselves in a situation and say, God, rescue me. I don't like this. And his answer as a loving father is, okay, but the way I'm going to help rescue you is teach you how not to do that again. And if it's not your fault, I guarantee you what God is saying is when you find yourself in a situation where somebody's done something to you, he's going to say, please don't ever do that to somebody else. What do you want me to get out of this situation, God? Don't ever do that to somebody else. Or don't do that again. Stop doing that. It's going to keep getting you in that same situation, that same circumstance. And so God's way of saying for us to get out of that is by start asking what? God, what do you want me to get out of this situation? Not get me out of this situation, but what do you want me to get out of this situation? When you're, when, whenever you find yourself in something, what do you want me to get out of this? We have to find what it is that God wants us to get out of it. Or well, a lot of times we'll keep repeating it. And a loving father and a loving God says, I want to teach you how to get over this, how to keep moving forward. See, Philippians, uh, Paul says in Philippians, and, and Philippians, was a, was a, it's four chapters. I would encourage you, whenever you find yourself in difficult um, situations, go read Philippians. It'll encourage you. Why? Because Paul wrote this while he was in prison. All right? Not a comfortable prison, a, a horrible prison, probably chained up to somebody that you know, was a stinky guard and, and, and took turns of like, being next to him all the time because he was in high security, all that stuff. It's just a horrible situation. He wrote his happiest letter to the, to the church in Philippi. His happiest letter was written in prison. And he says this. He says in Philippians 4.11, he says, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance. So he's, he's learned something. He's, he has the secret to having joy in whatever he find, every, any circle he finds himself in, whatever circumstance he finds himself in. I've learned the secret. And the secret is this. He says, I can do all things through Christ. Why? Because joy is a person. Joy is Christ. And in Christ, we have, we have victory. We have, we have strength. Remember the joy of the Lord is our strength? So when he's saying I, I have, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, what he's saying is I found joy in every circumstance. I found joy wherever I find myself. How, how can you beat this guy? Right? In, in Philippians 1.21 it says, he says this, For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. What does he mean? Well, if I, if I live, I get to tell more people about the gospel and about what God has done. If I die, I get to go with heaven with God. It's a win-win situation here. So they, they go to Paul and they tell Paul, Paul, you need to stop preaching the gospel. We don't like what you're saying. You better stop or we're going to beat you. Well, I've been beaten multiple times already and God's called me to keep sharing, so I'm going to keep sharing. Fine. If you don't stop, then we're going to lock you up in prison. Okay. Uh, that's great. I have some letters to catch up on. I need to write some churches around the, around the world. This would be great. And they lock him up in prison for, for a long time and he's, he's writing his letters that we have. Happy letters like, guys, I'm in prison, but, but hey, take heart because, man, God has some good things for your life. Fine. If you stop, don't stop preaching the gospel, we're going to kill you. This is good. Right? I get to go to heaven. And that's what he's saying. And he even has his wrestling match in his letters like, part of me wants to stay here on earth to help more people, but part of me wants to just go and have what God has been waiting, have, has in store for me. Why? Because Paul had a bigger perspective than a lot of times we do. No matter what happens, he says, it's going to be good. God's going to use it for good. So if you, if you beat me, more people. In fact, he even says... The churches, they were so encouraged by Paul going through the suffering that they began to preach without fear. Like they were saying, fine, if he can do it, I can do it also. And they gave him hope and they gave him courage to be able to do what they want him to do. Joy in difficulties is all about perspective. So if we want to have joy, we need to learn to refocus on what really matters. 
Paul's telling us, focus on the right things. And towards the end of the Philippians, he says it like this. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Paul's saying, focus on the right things. He's in prison writing this. Like, hey, guys, think about good things. And the stories, if you read his stories when he's in prison, there's one where he's, he focuses back on God and, and, and in the middle of, of, of a dark night, they begin to praise God and, 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 and give God just uh, their heart and, and, and worship, and God shows up in a great way. But he's saying, focus on these things. I guarantee you, when you find yourself without joy and you're frustrated and you're difficult, you're not thinking about what's true. You're not thinking about what's noble. You're not thinking about what's right or what's pure. You're thinking about things that are making you upset and making you mad. He's saying, refocus your attention on what's really important. Think about these things. Whatever you learned or received or heard in me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. The first week we said, joy always follows peace. There's a reason the Bible says peace. All these things about peace. Jesus says, take heart, right? You're going to have troubles, but you'll have my peace. Why? Because joy always follows peace. When you have, a, when you have this idea that your idea, when you have um, the, the internal recognition that everything is okay with you and god that's peace and from that joy can flow and out of joy hope always follows which means when you accomplish something god is going to use that to help other people accomplish those same things so he's saying god of peace will be with you do these things in philippians he says rejoice and again i say rejoice like don't be anxious about anything because anxiety pushes joy out and worry pushes joy out and and fear pushes joy out and all these things pain pushes joy out but when joy shows up, all these other things are pushed out and pushed away. So he's saying, focus on the right things. In fact, he says this in 2 Corinthians. Paul's still writing another letter, 4, 16 through 18. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Paul's been beaten. He's been shipwrecked. He hasn't had food. He's been hungry many times. And what does he say? He says, for our light and momentary troubles. He's in prison for years. And he's saying, our light and momentary troubles. So he, he recognizes his difficulties as something that's small and in comparison to something that's large. Because it's achieving something for us of, of eternal glory that's going to outweigh all of these. It's like the, the kid that's being born. You know, the mom has all this pain, but then when the kid's born, joy shows up. Joy's going to show up. The baby's coming. It's going to be good. So he says, fix our eyes on, not as, on what is seen, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. So when, when Naomi has pain pretty soon, don't focus on the pain. Focus on what you don't see yet, the baby that's coming. And breathe. There's a baby that's coming. There's going to be something that's going to be awesome ahead if you don't give up. Just keep going. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So Paul is saying, you want to know the secret of joy in any circumstance? Refocusing your attention on what's really important. Because this difficulty you're facing... It's just temporary. It's just, it's just the circle you find yourself in at this moment. But if you push through, if you don't give up, you'll find joy in the end of this. Even your sorrows will be turned into joy if you don't give up. So here's our challenge today. Choose joy. Learn to ask what instead of why. Whatever this week, whatever comes your way, if there's some guy honking behind you that's driving you crazy because you can't move and they're mad behind you, ask, don't say, why God? Why is this guy crazy? Ask, what do you want me to learn in this? He might say, don't ever do that to somebody. You'd be like, okay, I got, I got the point. This is horrible to push people and be being. Or you could say, would you pray for that person? You know, they're late because, you know, something horrible happened and they're trying to get to work and it's not their fault. They're just whatever. You pray and God will answer you. 
Learn to ask what instead of why, and then focus on what really matters. Christmas time, it's easy for all the important things to be pushed out because of shopping and cooking and all these things. We miss out on the really important things. And God is saying, don't miss out. Joy. Focus on the right things. Um, focus on joy. So for, for if there's anybody in this room today, and I know you are, you're here, we pray for you every single week. There's a reason you came today. Maybe you haven't been to church for a while, or maybe you're here and I'm talking about peace and joy, and you have none of that in your life. All you have is difficulties and challenges, and uh, you've been facing these for a long time, and you actually came today to say, I need help. I need relief from all this stuff I'm carrying, and I don't know where else to go. Well, you came here because God wants to relieve you of all that stuff. He wants to take your burdens. He wants to give you something better that's called joy and love and peace and all the goodness that he has. And he wants to, he wants to invite you in a relationship. And the reason we, we even have a church is to encourage us to say, no matter what we face, God has something for us if we will just turn our attention to him. You know, the last thought I'll, I'll leave you with this before I invite you to take this step is, uh, for all of us, when you have Christ, you're in a win-win situation. You're in a win-win situation, and Paul knew this. No matter what, they couldn't do anything to Paul because no matter what they threatened him, it was a win-win for Paul and for the kingdom of God. When you know Christ, you're in a win-win situation. Some of you have been in a lose-lose situation for too long, and God is inviting you today to say, would you step into Christ? Would you invite him into your life to help you to have all these things that we've talked about? That even in the hard times, you can have joy. Why? Because God went through things for us to have that joy. Because Paul was able to endure things, sufferings, to be able to help people know that God has a better plan for our lives. Even when nobody else wants, wants them to share about it. And he, he endured it. So do, do me a favor. Would you close your eyes and bow your head? Bow your heads today. If you're here today, and, and I know you are, um, this whole service has been building up to this moment where we say, would you take that step of faith towards God? You know, you face, we face challenges throughout the, throughout the week. And sometimes those challenges are God's invitation for us to just ask him to be a part of our life. And he invites us into it. And today you're here, you don't have joy, you don't have peace, maybe a lot of struggles. In the middle of it, God is saying, would you, would you cast your cares and your worries upon me? And how, let me help you focus on what's really important. The Bible says that if, if we invite God into our life, he answers, he responds. If we'll humble ourselves. The Bible says if we confess our wrong and our sin, that he removes all that from our life. He gives us a new start. And somebody in this room needs a new start. And I want to just offer you and say, would you today, would you take that offer and say, God, I accept your offer of a new start. I want your joy. I want your peace. If you're here today, would you do me a favor and just raise your hand so I know you're in here? Yeah? Awesome. I see your hands. Awesome. Awesome. I see your hand. Thank you. I'm not going to call you to the front. I'm just going to lead you in a prayer there in your chair. Tons of hands going up. Say, God, I need your peace. I need your love. I need your help. If you raised your hand, would you, would you pray this prayer with me? It's an invitation. Saying, God, I want your help in life. Forgive me of my part. And when we, when we confess, the Bible says he shows up and he embraces those who humble themselves. So if you raise your hand, you pray that prayer. Uh, raise your hand and pray this prayer with me. Just let me lead you in it. For the rest of us that are Christ followers in this room, would you join us in praying with them? Say, say this, say today, say, Father God, I invite you into my life. I need your help. I admit today that I cannot do it on my own. Forgive me of my part, of my sin. Give me a new start. I believe you died on that cross. For me, 
so I can have new life. And I believe you're alive today and that I can have life in you. Help me. Lead me. Be my God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.